Have you ever changed your mind? I would venture to guess without uh, getting in too much trouble this morning, if you're married, you've heard one, one spouse or the other say, I've changed my mind. You're planning on one thing, and then all of a sudden you see a different results, and you say, what's up? And, oh, I changed my mind. And there's a big difference between changing your mind and making a different decision, right? Because I've met some people that think that they're changing their minds, but they really just made a contrary decision, maybe out of spite, maybe out of pressure, and their mind wouldn't change. They just made a different decision, and it's tough sometimes to change our minds. Um, I don't know if you've met any, anybody like this, but... Uh, there's some people that their minds are very difficult to change. It's a lot like concrete, right? It's uh, completely mixed up and thoroughly set, right? It's not going anywhere, even when they're wrong. Uh, and so our job is not to change people's minds. Our job is to point people to Jesus. Jesus is the one that changes minds and hearts and directions and futures. And we are not people that come here to make a point or to debate. We are people that come to to help, but we have to understand that part of this process is we have to change our mind about, first of all, who Jesus is, who we are, and then decide when we're confronted with things that maybe we don't like or we're not practicing, am I going to change my mind? So when Jesus says, this is what we're supposed to do, and you're not doing that, you have to decide, am I going to change my mind? If Jesus says, uh, I should be doing this and I'm not doing it, then we have to decide, am I going to change my mind? Because the mind is where transformation starts. It's not, it's not anyplace else. And, and when I speak about the mind this morning, I'm not talking about that eight pounds of gray, soggy tissue that's stuck in our, in our brain socket up here. That's just the brain. It's just the holding uh, capacity for our mind. Our mind is something that has been a wonderful gift from God. Our mind is connected in not only our natural but the spiritual and the emotional, and so it functions in all of those areas. But here's my question for you, and it's rhetorical, so obviously you don't need to answer, but many of you have a, a life that you grew up, and, and Ashley's story is a lot like your story. You, you were raised in church, you heard this and you heard that, and then when you read it for yourself or you hear the gospel, you see that it's something different, and here's my question. What is it going to take to change your mind? What's it going to take to change your mind? What's it going to take to change your mind so that you stop that addiction, that bondage? What's it going to take to change your mind to lay down the pride and actually commit your whole life to Jesus Christ? What's it going to take to change your mind so that you are fully following Jesus to the extent that you can? What's it going to take to change your mind to forgive somebody that's hurt you when Jesus says we're supposed to forgive? What's it going to take to change your mind to be the type of person that you're supposed to be according to God's word, not according to the culture? What's it going to take to change your mind to stop saying, yeah, I'm not doing that no matter what he says? Because someday you're going to stand before Christ, not me. And then you're probably going to wish you had changed your mind. Because we're going to be held accountable for our actions and our lack of action. And so my job 
is to come to you and present the fullness of the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ that is there to change your mind so that you can begin a new path. And, and we're going to see this of, of how God works in this, and we're going to see the, the keys that unlock this. But the reality is that our mind has tremendous influence for our actions and, and the ability for us to be transformed. And I want to throw a couple of scriptures at you right here before we get to Matthew 21. So Colossians 3, 1 through 2, look what, look what this says this morning. If then you were raised together with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated on the right hand of God. What are we supposed to seek? Christ, the things that are above, not the things of this world, right? What's it going to take to change your mind? I've just showed you what Christ expects from us, and yet we got caught up in politics and this and causes and that, and I have to ask again, what's it going to take to change your mind? How about Romans 8, 5? Powerful one. For they that are after the flesh mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. We're supposed to be pursuing spiritual things, and I know we live in a natural world, but our focus and our intent and our future is a spiritual future, not a natural future. And if we'll seek the spiritual things, the natural things will line up. But if you only seek the natural things, it ends in death. That's what part of that verse says. So my question is, what's it going to take to change your mind? You know that pursuing that thing, it's only going to lead to darkness. It's only going to lead to death. You know where you're disobedient. You know where you're in open rebellion. You know where you're too stubborn to just give in. You know what's it going to take to change your mind. How about Philippians 4, 8? This is a great one. So finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Okay, notice there's no social media in there, there's no hate in there, there's no ridicule in there, there's no shame in there. It's telling us how we're supposed to think. My question still remains. What's it going to take to change your mind? And maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, this is exactly the reason I don't come to church, Pastor. Because you lay all this stuff on us. I'm not laying anything on you. This is Scripture. (laughs) And if you can't believe God's Word, what can you believe? You're going to believe the culture. You're going to believe the media. You're going to believe your own mind. Think about it. How many of you, show of hands this morning, here's where you can participate. How many of you, you once believed something, now you think, I don't believe that anymore? Come on, look around. <laughs> we are people that have a tendency to believe in something, then we, then we grow up, right? And we realize, hmm. And I've seen that in my own life. There are things from when I first got saved that I believed in, and then as I've studied and I've prayed and I've walked with Jesus sometime, I've completely changed my mind on some things, and there's some things that are even stronger and even more firm, things that I will never let go of. No matter what the culture says, no matter what anything happens out in the world, I won't let go of those things. And those things have kind of flipped hands where it's like, oh, those things aren't important. I've found 
that a lot of those things are so important we better not let go of them. And a lot of the stuff that when I was young I thought was so important is stuff that we can just say, that's open hand stuff. That's like, that's easy stuff. That's who cares stuff. But what's it going to take to change your mind? Because I'm here to tell you that if you can change your mind and allow the Holy Spirit to change your mind, you can change your life. Because it's just one simple decision. It's not some routine. You don't have to go someplace. You don't have to see somebody. You just have to make a decision this morning. I'm going to trust Christ. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to change my mind. And all of a sudden, you can start walking differently, living differently, feeling differently, all because of a decision. And that decision starts with changing your mind. Jesus is sharing a parable here in Matthew 21. And it's interesting because he's talking to people who know religion a lot. The Jewish culture very, was, was very influenced by the Old Testament, specifically the first five books, the books of Moses and his teaching. A lot of the books of history and some poetry, Songs of Solomon, things like that. But the problem was, as he confronted them, here is God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, that's trying to share how their lives can be and should be, how their attitudes should be towards God and towards other people. And it's not that they didn't hear him. They heard him, but they just refused to change their mind. I think of a group of people, if you haven't read the Bible, you should read it more. They were called the Pharisees. They were the ruling, powerful religious leaders of the time. And they kept asking Jesus the same question, where does your authority come from? And he kept telling them, but they wouldn't change their mind. <laughs> How about you? Have you been reading? Have you been hearing kind of the same thing over and over, and yet it bounces off? Because you refuse to change your mind? So here's Jesus that tells this parable to a group of people that know the law, that know what God expects, and yet they, they're very adverse to changing their minds. Here's what he says. Here's this parable. What do you think about this one? A man had two sons, and he says to the older boy, son, I want you to go out and I want you to work in the vineyard today. Okay, nothing unusual, right? This, this sounds like a normal conversation. The dad comes to the sons and said, son, I need you to go out and work in the vineyard today. Nothing strange, right? But the son said, nope, I won't go. But... Later, he changed his mind, and he went anyway. Now, when I see that word, he went anyway, it means it didn't mean he felt like it. It didn't mean he wanted to go. It didn't mean he was getting his allowance. He just knew that the father asked him to do something, and initially, his, his first response was no. Okay? So, so I got you covered this morning. Maybe you're one of those people like me that you are just a resistor in nature, right? <laughs> I'm that person. I remember especially growing up, I was just that person. You know, my mom would say, you're going to sit there and you're going to like it. And I would say inside, because I finally got smart enough not to say it outside. I may sit here, but I won't like it. <laughs> and when somebody would say, I want you to sit down, guess what I want to do? I want to stand up. Somebody wants me to stand up, I want to sit down. And even through... Uh, after being saved, seeing some of this in the church, like I said, we have to be people that follow the word and not some of the nonsense. I've been in services where people have tried to push me down. 
where pastors were trying to be doing all this circus stuff and thought that if they just slather enough oil on you and shove you on your forehead that, you know, we used to call it falling out. But I also remember that I didn't learn any of that because I didn't grow up in church. So I'm young and the guy starts pushing on me. I just keep backing up. I guess we're going to the parking lot. Now, I'm not suggesting that we just resist everything that we do. The big question is, when the Father asks us to do something, don't be surprised when your initial response will be no. But I hope that because you love God and He loves you, later you'll change your mind. Okay? He continues with the parable. Then the father goes to the, the other son, the younger son. He said, I want you to go too. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Okay? And this applies to some of you as well. You sit in church and you nod and you listen and you carry a Bible or you have it on your phone. And you know what church is about. But God's telling you to do some things and you're saying, You need to evangelize. Yep, I do. I'm not going to do it, but I do need to do it. <laughs> you need to be in a small group so you can grow up. You know? You need to confess your sin. Oh, nope. What's it going to take? Change your mind. And he asks this group, he tells this very simple parable, what, which of these two obeyed his father? Now, this was not a tough one, right? One says no and went. One said yes and didn't go. Which one obeyed the Father? And they replied, the crowd said, well, the first one, duh. Then Jesus explained the meaning. I'll tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. Now imagine how they felt when they heard that. And it wasn't because that they weren't following some religion. It was because they wouldn't change their mind. Look at that. He's talking to religious people that have known all the laws, been taught the Bible. They're showing up. They're actually listening to Jesus. And yet, he says, you want to know the real truth? There's going to be tax collectors and what you think are lower people, lesser people, sinner people. And they're going to make it into heaven and you're not. And there's one simple reason why. And here's what he says. John the Baptist came and he showed you the what? The right way to live. Not just to believe, but the right way to live. But you didn't believe him either. I sent someone to you, and you didn't believe him. And now I'm here talking to you, and you're not believing me. I'm telling you the truth. If you don't change your mind, you may not make it in. 
and there may be some of you here this morning, you need to hear this very clear, and I'm not making a threat because I don't get to make that decision, but if you don't change your mind, it may get reinforced like concrete, and you may not make it in. And you're thinking, oh, pastor, I gave my life to Jesus long ago. Yep, and what have you done since? You can't bank on what you did when you were 12. Because John the Baptist came and showed us how to live, not just a moment in time, how we live our lives. And we're going to help be accountable for that. And I don't know how he's going to judge that, but I've got this parable that makes me think, if all these religious people that are following the letter of the law, and they're following it more than, I mean, praying three times a day, tithing, going to temple, making their sacrifices, keeping themselves clean on the outside, wearing special robes, doing all the outward works. If he says that those people aren't going, what hope does that give us unless we change our minds? Because sitting in this building is not your gracious attitude to God. How we live is how we have a relationship with God and other people. Look what he says. You didn't believe it, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they believed. And even when you saw this happening, even when you saw sinners changing their life, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Okay? Did you know that pride is sin? It's a big one. In fact, God actually opposes it, he says. Gossip, rebellion, Delayed obedience, we've talked about this in the past. Delayed obedience, where you know what you're supposed to do, but you want to give yourself time. Right? And it's not something that you're unsure of. Like I'm saying, if you're not sure, that's not delayed obedience. It's when you know. It's like when I read the scripture and it says you're supposed to tithe, and you say, i got to think about that. That is delayed obedience, which equals disobedience. When you fast and pray, not if you fast and pray, we're supposed to fast and pray. You don't even have to fast and pray about fasting and praying. You're just supposed to do it. But unless we change our mind, and see, that's the thing. We're living our lives like, I get to make the decisions. And we get into that natural flow of our human flesh that pretty soon, whether we say it out loud or not, what we're really saying is, you don't get to tell me what to do. Can I tell you this morning, that's a very dangerous place to be with the Lord God. Whenever we feel like we get to set the tone and we get to set the pace, we're on dangerous ground because that is just open disobedience. No matter what you think, it's open disobedience. You wouldn't tolerate it from your kids. Right? Can you imagine what happens in your household, and I don't know, maybe your family is a little bit different, but if I walked into my house and I said, Pop, listen, this is how it's going to be from now on. Now, after I got up, <laughs> if my mouth still worked, <laughs> I'd be singing a different tune. <laughs> I didn't get to tell my parents what the deal was. And I know we live in a kinder, gentler world. In my household, there weren't family meetings. There were family tellings. This is how it's going to be. Nobody asked us as children what our opinion was. Do you think we should move? Do you think I should give you an allowance? The only 
only question that really wasn't a question in my house was, do you want a spanking? And I always thought that was funny as a kid. Please, please, I haven't had one in a couple of days. Please. I mean, I want to know the kid that says, ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it going to take to change your mind? Because not only your future is at stake, but those that follow after us. Whether you like it or not, as adults, as moms and dads, your children are highly influenced by you and your behavior. And whether you are tender in the hand of God or whether you're somebody that's a knucklehead like me that takes years and years to figure it out. I don't want that. I don't want my children and my grandchildren to go through the school of hard knocks if I can help it. And I don't want that for you either. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The problem is it's all about a decision and it's about realizing our heart has gotten a little hard to the things of God that when we start to push back, that should be a sign of what's going on just like with these people. What's it going to take to change your mind? Tragedy? I've seen it. Nobody's got time for God until tragedy strikes. And pastor, I've got to come see you. Oh, my gosh, I've I got to get back in church. Why did it take tragedy? Failed marriage? Why does it take a failed marriage before you finally start to seek God and what He wants and find counsel? Why do you have to be in debt way over your head and so stressed you don't know what to do before you finally... Why does it have to come to that when I'm here to tell you you can make a decision now, change your mind. Even if you said no at front, this morning's the day that you can say, yes, I will. <laughs> That's how easy it is. And even now, some of you are like, oh, you don't know, it's not that easy. Yes, it is that easy. It's not hard. And it doesn't mean you have to feel it. But we just have to begin to train ourselves that if God says it, we should do it. That's what's hard. Because our flesh wants what it wants. So let me lay this on you from the Apostle Paul. Now Paul is speaking to a church. And the church is in Rome of all the, the Jews that are in the Roman area. And he says something that is so simple but can completely change your future. And it rubs right up against our normal way of doing things. And it, it's not judgmental this morning, even though it may sound like it this morning, but just, just hang on to the seat for just a minute. We've got to stop looking like the culture. We've got to stop acting like the culture and thinking that an hour and a half in a church on Sunday is going to set ourselves against the grain. It will not it will not take us out of the current of culture unless you make a decision that this is going to be a lifestyle instead of an event that happens once a week, if you're here, once a week. We have to stop copying the culture. It's killing the church, it's killing you, and it's setting up the next generation for failure. 
Because every twist and turn, we're straying from God's word, and that's not what he's called us to do. And here's what he says, because he's encountering this even at this point, where people are starting, think about this, the reason he's going to share this with the group in Rome is because they're starting to go back to their religious ways, and it hasn't been that long after Jesus is dead, maybe two decades And they're starting to say, I don't know, it was kind of easier to go back to just following the rules because this whole love God and love other people and be the right kind of people, that's kind of, I don't know. And now, here's what he says. He comes to them and he says, don't copy the behavior of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think and you're Maybe one that you're reading, it says, by the renewing of your mind. See, when you were born, you had a mindset. When you got raised, you started developing a mindset. And then God says, that's how you got where you are then. (laughs) If you actually want to see how I'm going to work, and you want to have a life that's full of freedom and grace and love and passion and joy and the fire of God, then you have to renew your mind. And it's an ongoing renewing, not just a one-time renewing. You have to keep renewing your mind as you encounter what God wants you to do because he doesn't lay it all on us at once. But allow him to change you into a new person by changing the way you think. Remember what I said? That if you'll change your mind, you can change your life. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you. Because listen, and I love you this morning. I really, really do or I wouldn't be doing this. For many of us, you don't care what God's will is for you. You're just trying to make it through the week. You're just trying to get through this rough patch. You're just trying to get to the next whatever. And you at no point during your week are saying, I wonder what God wants for me. What does he want from me? What does he want for me? Those aren't even questions you've even thought of before. And maybe that's why you're on this cycle of mess and behavior. And I'm here to share that he will reveal his will for you, but you have to renew your mind. You have to let it sink in. And, and it's easier for me just because of, of my background. Again, I was a kid that got raised in a town of about 3,000 people. Lived there my whole life, well, most of my life. I made a quick venture into the Longview area for two years. Uh, we found out that this is a horrible place, and we left. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> In that small little town, my junior year, I get on a plane, and this is a small Vanillaville town. I get on a plane, and I, my next stop is LAX, the crossroads of the world. And my next stop is boot camp, where they load you up on a bus. And I found out something really quick. They don't care what I think. The doors open on that bus, and some dude gets on, and he starts yelling, Why are you still on this bus? Get off this bus. Get your bag. Who told you to put your bag down? Who told you to pick it up? Who told you to pick it up? Who told you to put it down?
And you know why they do all of that? To renew your mind. Not to God. <laughs> not, don't get that. It's, they're not renewing your mind for God. But until you stop thinking about you, you're going to have a hard time in the military. And church, until you stop thinking about you, you're going to have a hard time in Christianity. Because he's already made provision for you. If you'll allow him to change your mind, he has incredible plans for you. He died for you. He's got a purpose for you. He has gifts for you. He is storing up riches in heavenly places for you. But as long as you think about you, you will never get there. You'll never enjoy it. You'll never embrace it because all you see is you. And even worse, you overlay it with some religion thinking, I'm really doing God a favor. I showed up at 10 o'clock today. And if you don't mind me being just a little froggy, some of you couldn't even do that. You got to roll in 10, 10, 10, 15, 10, 30. Look at it. the meshes version of this. says, I love this. Because it just kind of fits with how we really talk. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become so accustomed to this culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Think about that. When you know what He wants you to do, quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You see what God's plan is? And as long as we keep engaging in that cultural aspect, we keep ourselves shallow, we keep ourselves immature, we keep ourselves self-focused. And He's never called us to be self-focused. So I want to give you three simple steps to renew your mind. And they are not deep at all. They are simple but not easy. Here's the first one. Ask God to guard and direct your mind. Right? God, I need you to guard my mind against the, the attack of culture that's telling me that it's all about me, that it's about self, that uh, it's all about who cares about our morals. It's, God, I need you to guard my mind, and I need you to direct it. What should I focus on? Where should I be living? Where should I be uh, making decisions? Where should I be putting my attention and my energies and, and all of that? Because your behavior starts in the mind, just like your transformation. Your behavior doesn't start with your body. Your behavior starts with your mind. And number two, we've got to replace self-focused thinking with God-focused mindset. Instead of it being all about me, God, what do you want? Because if I trust you and I believe that you have my best intent and that you've got my future in hand, God, I want to know what you want from me. I want to know what you have for me. And instead of it just being all about me, God, you show me. And, and the reality is you have a choice. Are we going to train our brain to trust and focus on God? Or are we going to train our brain to focus on the things 
of this world. And as somebody that wasted 20 years of their life not knowing that there was a God that could change them, I'm here to tell you that you can chase the things of this world, but I'll tell you that they only leave you empty. They leave you in a worse condition than when you started. And you will travel a path that gets darker and darker because our flesh, our human nature has the ability to just want more and more and more. And the more we try to fill it with fleshly, worldly things, the more desperate and the more hungry and the more empty we become. And I don't know if you look around the world if you see that like I see it, as we are desperate for more and more and more and we're not getting healthier spiritually, emotionally, and definitely not physically. Because we keep looking to the culture for our answers and it doesn't have the answers. Last week, uh, so thankful Pastor Tim was here to, to minister to you guys and had a, a great weekend. Melissa and I were uh, installing uh, deacons and an elder and associate pastor in another church, and I shared my testimony with some friends that we've known for 20 years. And it was interesting that somehow this had not truly come up in our conversation with each other. And one of them said, I thought you were like saved as a teenager. And I wish. <laughs> but it is amazing. As I keep looking back and wonder what God will do with a thick-headed, no knowing God person like me. And if God is no respecter of people, he can put you on a fast track to know what you never knew, <laughs> to have you trust like you've never trusted before. There's no barrier except changing your mind. And it did take some time. I put my poor wife through all these months of questions. Prove it. What about this? What about this? You can't prove this. And sooner or later, I just had to make up my mind, I'm either going to trust or I'm not. So the day finally came that I made a decision. Now listen, I made a decision to follow Christ and I kept going to church and I thought everything was okay until God got my attention in a supernatural way. And even though I had been in church for months at that point, when God got my attention and I realized what He was doing and who He truly was, and I ran to that altar that day, not the day I just said, okay, God, I'll follow you, but that day when I realized all that He was and all that I was, and I, in my mind, wrote a blank check, here you go, wherever you want to go, whatever you need to do, and that has guided me. And it hasn't been easy, and at times it's been scary, but he has never let me down. And here I am today, somebody that was barely going to make it out of high school and was ready to take an F in public speaking. <laughs> and I'm not a natural extrovert, and I'm not a natural evangelist, and I didn't know anything about this. I had never owned a Bible before. I had seen it. 
but I had never known it or read it or understood it. And all of a sudden, that hunger for God's word that he gave me filled it up, and pretty soon, I just couldn't put it down. And I've got all these questions, and and it was weird to encounter people that had never asked those questions because they were raised in church. And they didn't ask the questions. They just listened to the pastor. I am not God. You need to God, not religion. You need to be part of the living word of God that fills your heart and transforms your spirit and that that is the thing that happens and it'll begin to affect your brain. And you can call it brainwashing or whatever, but I'll tell you what, in our generation today, we need a good brainwashing. (laughs) It's cloudy, dirty, murky in there. We need a good brainwashing. We need to replace this self-focus with a God focus. And then the third step is the easiest of all. You just repeat steps one and two daily. See, that's the problem. Some of you get in the routine of, yeah, I'm going back to church, and you haven't thought about, you haven't read, you haven't prayed until you get here, and you really weren't even prepared to be here (laughs) when you showed up. What if you change that? With just a few minutes a day, Will you give God some time? Lord, I'm going to listen. Lord, what do you want? I'm going to read just a few minutes. What am I supposed to do with that? Because the worst thing that happens is you read it and you don't change. You hear and you don't change. And Jesus even speaks to that in another parable. He says, they're constantly hearing but never changing. They're constantly gaining knowledge, but they're never getting smart about it. And so I realize that my words are weak compared to God's word, but I have to ask you again, what's it going to take to change your mind? I hope it's not tragedy. I hope it's not that you have to be like me, that you run the course of a dark life until you really don't even know who you are anymore. And you really don't care. I hope for something better for you. And I hope for something better from you. That you would ask yourself, what's it going to take? It's going to take to separate yourself from the culture and stop this wishy-washy faith. Stop this wishy-washy life. Because that's not what God wanted for you. He wants you to be secure. He wants you to be loved. He wants you to be forgiven again and again and again. And he wants you to know him in a relationship and understand the power of the people around you in that relationship. Our goal should be to have the mind of Christ. And that's tough. Because even Christ himself said, I just do what the Father says. I hear what the Father says. And then I do. What's it going to take to change our minds? Because here's what's at stake. Why even talk about this? Great question. A culture is watching and waiting for the church to realize who we are. Your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers are waiting. They don't know that they're waiting, but they're desperately waiting to see somebody who's living their life on purpose For God, that has passion, that has kindness, that has remorse, (laughs) 
that has the ability to blush at the sins of this world because what they see is religion and it's repelling. What they see is people that are going through the same problems and respond the same way they do. They just go someplace different on Sunday. And I'm telling you, it's not enough. What's it going to take to change our mind? For some of you right now, there's, there's a big thing hanging in the balance. Decision. Your concrete of your mind is starting to settle. And if you don't fix some things in your life right now, it may take a tragedy. It may take some hard knocks. Right now is the time where you can say, Lord, I want to change my mind. (laughs) I've been saying no, but by your grace, I'll say yes. (laughs) 